What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 33 of the Gino Spirito podcast. Hope y'all are having a great Tuesday, April 13th. Um, you know, a little bit, a little bit cloudy today here in uh, San Diego. Uh, after a few weeks of it just being extremely hot, um, so yet again the weather, uh, you know, showing that it can be cold. I guess when it wants to be cold and chooses to be cold. Um, so yeah, today, today's definitely, um, been, uh, just a, you know, a nice relaxing day, uh, definitely headed towards the end of the semester, um, you know, had my, uh, legal case presentation for my econ class yesterday and that went pretty well. Um, and I, I hope this, this is, this is what I, I hope, um, you know, of course it's a little bit different right now with, uh, it being online. Um, for the most part, um, you know, I know some schools uh, are starting to slowly ease it their way back into, um, you know, in-person learning, which is great. Uh, but I hope that right now uh, when you have an online class um, and you are forced to do a group presentation, a group project, um, just because you have to because your professor is forcing it, uh, which is annoying, I know. I hope that you respond to your classmate. I hope that you, uh, you know, put in the effort that is needed. Um, because for me, for my legal case presentation, uh, this was actually the first time that I had never had my partner respond to me. Um, we've known about uh, this presentation. My professor sent out the email. It was uh, February 2nd, I looked, uh, about who our partners were. And I had, I had reached out five times to this man, uh, even in class, and he never responded to me. Um, and then yesterday when we had our presentation, it was, it was a tad awkward um, because my professor had also reached out to him. Um, and I, was, I wasn't the only person that had this issue with their partner. Um, I just thought it was interesting. I don't really understand why the man didn't want to do the project with me. I mean, uh, it was either that or my professor said in the past he's done essays, so... Um, I mean, I was happy to do it all myself. It was, it was pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I just, I hope that when you're put in a situation, uh, where you have a partner, please just, you know, respond to them, reach out to them. Even if something happens and you don't get back to them right away, don't, don't drag it out for months, uh, like my partner did and just make it awkward for me and put me in a situation to literally have to, you know, let the professor know what the situation is going on. Uh, it's just not cool, you know. It's pretty, pretty burnt, if you ask me. But uh, besides that, school's been going good. I just finished, um, you know, all my uh, midterms. My school well, they call them midterms, but it's really just like my second test for some of my classes. Um, and honestly, it's just headed into this final month where I'm gonna have about three more presentations left to go. Um, and it, it's just looking good, you know. I'm, I'm excited uh, for it to be summer. Uh, which sounds crazy, um, and then I'll only have eight more college courses left before I uh, get my diploma, which is just even more crazy. So, um, you know, just just looking ahead, uh, looking at internships to get, looking at um, various career opportunities that I can uh, be a part of um, with my major. Um, but yeah, without further ado, let's get into the podcast today. Um, you know, if you if you uh, didn't know, the Padres had. Um, a series down, 
in Texas as they face the Rangers at uh, Globe Life uh, Stadium or Globe Life Field. Uh, you know, the only field that has full capacity at the moment. Um, Texas is just living in their own world. Oh, my God. Uh, but for game one of this Rangers series saw Padres history as Joe Musgrove, San Diego zone through the very first no-hitter in Padres franchise history as, um, you know, nine, of course, 19th pitch, zero hits, uh, zero watts, 10 strikeouts, and only one uh, hit by pitch, I guess you could say. I know they don't really put that on there, but he was that close away uh, from a perfect game. Uh, it was just like this, it was an inside slider or curveball. I can't really remember what the pitch was that just got away from him looked like. Uh, so, yeah, un unfortunate that it wasn't a perfect game, but, I mean, are you kidding me? First no-hitter in Padres history, and it comes from a San Diego kid, um, you know, a, you know, somebody who was born and raised in San Diego, uh, somebody who grew up a Padres fan, uh, going to the games, was a season ticket holder. He even committed to San Diego State uh, before he was ended up, he ended up being drafted by the um, Pittsburgh uh, Pirates, um, and he just decided to go pro instead of, um, you know, opting to play in college. Uh, and then, of course, he got traded to the Padres this past year. Um, and in his second game in a Padres uniform, throws the very first no-hitter in franchise history. I, I mean, I just don't know a better script um, to write other than that. I know the Padres... Uh, have been have we've come very very close over the years to no hitters. I know there's been multiple one hit games, um, but for it to be the way it did, for it to be this storybook uh, tale of a kid who grew up, uh, went to Grossmont's. Um, the high school actually just uh, released um, a a mural that they already did of him. Um, you know, for it to be him, for it to have been 52. Uh, you know, years in the making, game 8,206, uh, you know, to finally throw that no-hitter, um, you know, to finally just check that uh, bots off. I know that, uh, you know, the cycle bots um, has been hit a couple times now by Padres, but that was also another bots that needed to be checked off, um, you know, if we're comparing franchises. Uh, so for it to finally be checked off and to be checked off by a guy like Joe Musgrove, who's who's understood the pain of Padres fan, uh, who's, you know, just been there uh, through all the shitty years as well. Um, it, it's just awesome, man. You can't, you can't have wrote a better story. Um, the uh, catcher, Victor Carantini, actually is the first player in Major League Baseball to catch bat-to-bat no-hitters as he uh, caught the last one that happened in 2020 when he was playing for the Cubs. Uh, but, of course, he came over uh, to the Padres this past offseason as he is Yu Darvish's personal catcher. Um, and, you know, Musgrove and uh, Jace Tindler actually uh, had a lot of praise for Carantini. And I feel like, uh, you know, much to um, his credit, um, they, they I didn't realize his nickname was The Scientist. Uh, that's what they were all calling him. You know, they, they said that he has a great ability of looking ahead and um, to see who, you know, He's facing uh, how to calculate uh, what hitters, um, 
you know, we're going to swing on, on the first pitch. Uh, maybe we'll take it. Maybe you have to give them something else. Um, you know, how aggressive to be with certain batters. Um, like I said, that was the second time Tarantini had called a no-hitter. Um, and, you know, catchers played just as much of an important role um, in that whole process. And, of course, the entire infield and outfield uh, had to do their job. But, you know, 10 strikeouts for Joe. Um, I believe there was, and then I believe there was eight, uh, I, no, actually it was 10 strikeouts, um, nine ground outs, and uh, I think it was eight um, line outs slash fly outs, or it was 10, 10, and seven, but still, what a, what a game, what a performance, uh, I, I, I was watching it. Uh, with my boy Colin, who's also a San Diego Padres fan. And in about the fourth or fifth inning, I'm like, man, this th he has a no-hitter so far. He technically has a no-hitter. Um, you know, it's it's looking good. I know it's still early in the season. I know it's, like I said, it was only his second start uh, coming from only throwing six innings uh, in his first start. I know that's uh, could be a lot on the arm. Um, and uh, Jace Tingler uh, has been – very uh, strict about that in the uh, past, um, you know, uh, not really wanting to push his starters, uh, especially this early in the season. I know this is his first full year uh, as the Padres manager, like last year being the shortened COVID season it was. So um, I can understand the, uh, you know, the possible uh, wanting to pull him, wanting to maybe feel it out. Uh, but I, I think it, the reason why he didn't get pulled out, um, you know, when they had the opportunity, maybe that after that sixth inning, um, was his pitch count. His pitch count was really low. I mean, the total uh, pitch count for the game was 112. So, you know, not not too bad, not awful at all. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I keep burping. Um, not awful in any way. And I, I feel like he was just so lasered and focused in um, – and and Joe Musgrove at the very end of the game said he's there was no way in hell that I was getting out, I was getting pulled out of that game, um, so I'm sure that that also played a credit as to why the man didn't get pulled. But I'm very happy that he did not get pulled. I'm very happy that uh, the streak is over. I'm very happy that it is, um, you know, not uh, you know what I mean. That's not the only thing that that's one of the things that people can kind of hold over this Padres franchise. Uh, like I said, the cycle bots has been checked off. Now the no hitter bots has been checked off. And you know, the last thing to be checked off is that world series championship. So um, we'll see, we'll see how uh, the rest of the season plays out. But I mean, how could you not have asked for a better start than what the Padres are doing right now? Eight and three on the season, currently second uh, in the NL West uh, to the eight and two Dodgers who will be playing uh, seven times in the next couple of weeks. I'll actually be going to the game on April 25th um, at Dodger Stadium. So that'll be a lot of fun. But like I said, the Padres were able to sweep the Rangers uh, for the weekend series. Uh, they were able to get a win yesterday against the Pirates, sits to two. Will Myers had a five RBI game, two run blast, two runs, uh, two runs single. Uh, and and then uh, I'm pretty sure uh, the single. Yeah, the single was where it, he hits the ball um, twice on his bat. I had never seen that before, uh, but Will Myers had a, a great game. Um, you know, the, the, these, uh, what's it called? This this lineup, man, this lineup. I know Trent Ristrom had an off day yesterday, but Jake Cronenworth starting at the top of the I mean, who would you want more than this man at the top of uh, your lineup when it comes to uh, the leadoff guy? I mean, this year... Alone, Jake Cronenworth. Give me a second. 
Jade Cronenworth. Wait, where did it go? Sorry. I had a stat about Jade Cronenworth, and I wanted to share it uh, just to prove how... Yes, there it is right here. This man, like I said, had two singles last night, so he batted two for four. Uh, he has not swung and missed at a pitch in the last six games in a span of t 39 swings. In this season alone, he has swung and missed twice in 73 swings this season. I feel like that alone proves how patient this man is at the plate, um, you know, swinging uh, at what he, uh, you know. I, I just feel like it's a good eye. You know, this, this man uh, definitely is – understands how to be patient I, I was really talking to this i was talking about this with my friends um yesterday i was just like i feel like if i was a baseball player in the in the bots i, I would definitely uh would just be swinging at everything uh the amount of patience uh that some i'm not even padres players but just all players in the mlb um kind of have to have you know in order to uh, kind of work a count, work a pitcher, make, make sure you can get that pitch that you want. The, the patience, you know, that you have to have to be great is, is just, it's phenomenal. And I feel like, um, that's exactly why, uh, we're able to see some of, uh, you know, the batting averages that we do on the scene. Jay Cronenworth batting 357 right now. Will Myers, 350. Eric Hosmer, 350, uh, 342. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's just some really, really good numbers right now. Um, of course, we have Eric Hosmer and Will Myers, both with three home runs this year. Trent Grisham with two. What an addition uh, that he he has been over the past, uh, you know, COVID year plus this year so far. He'll definitely, I believe, get an extension. I cannot believe the Brewers gave uh, Trent Grisham away for literally nothing. Uh, Manny Machado with two. Um, you know, and like I said, Will Myers, just an RBI machine, 11 this year already in the uh, first 11 games. So, um, you know, tonight uh, the game will be at 335. Uh, actually, um, what's it called? Profar um, will be moving back from left field to uh, second base. We got Tommy Pham moving out to left field. Um, Eric Hosmer at first, Machado at third like normal. Um, Jay Cronenworth getting the start at shortstop. Um Trent Grisham, it'll be in center as he had the off day yesterday. Uh, Luis Camposano would be a catcher. Blake Snell, bump day today, um, will be on the mound. Uh, it looks like um, uh, Hassan Kim uh, will have an off day today uh, in that infield, but very excited for the game tonight. I mean, um, you know, on top of uh, the Padres sweeping the Rangers, um, you know, I believe that everybody in the baseball community and, uh, you know, if you follow San Diego sports, remembers last year the iconic 3-0 pitch that uh, Fernando Tatis decided not to take, and he ended up hitting a grand slam, uh, which literally started Slam Diego. It started kind of uh, this whole um, rule-breaking um, persona that Tatis has carried uh which is kind of given this a swag um you know just some momentum that was uh you know i don't know the padres have just been a franchise that have been down in the dumps for so long and you know i know that there were 
in 2019, it was, uh, you know, 70 and 92. So it was definitely a better season than usual. And then uh, last season, uh, making the playoffs, winning the wild card. I believe that this, uh, you know, this Slam Diego, this persona of breaking rules, uh, breaking the unwritten rules, that per se, um, and just having swag about it, this was really the thing that started uh, everything for the Padres. It kind of just put it to another level, I'd say. I know the Padres had definitely been on a come up, and, uh, you know, it was definitely always like, we're right there, we're right there, we're almost there. Um, and I, I just believe that this uh, 3-0 hit um, by Tatis, this grand slam um, that got the Rangers so mad, um, you know, it was definitely Jersey for a while. Um, and like I said, led to all the things that has happened. I believe this was a thing that uh, kind of put the Padres uh, – you know, just gave them something, gave them that chip to just to just prove everybody wrong and just shut everybody up. Um, but since then, the Padres have now won seven straight against the Rangers. Um, they have outscored them 46 to 18 as uh, the the sweep that happened this weekend had two scoreless games, two shutouts. Um, the Padres have hit four grand slams against them in those seven games. Of course, Joe Musgrove threw a no hitter on Friday. And they have the Rangers have been shut out four times out of those seven games. So um, the Rangers definitely uh, hate seeing the Padres uh, number as of lately. Um, but like I said, uh, what a series! What what a way to start the season. Eight and three, looking good. Uh, Fernando Tatis should be coming back soon. He's only got placed on that ten day IL from that injury that he sustained against the Giants uh, when his shoulder basically dislocated. Um, Denelson Lamette was able to throw a sim game through about 63 pitches um, and could return for the Dodgers series as, um, what's it called, Adrian Morhone, uh, who started uh, the game on Sunday against the Rangers, uh, had to leave in the first inning, actually, um, after some uh, elbow and uh, forearm tightness. Uh, so that's... Um, you know, has gotten the uh, when is Lamette returning rumors kind of at a high. Um, Jace Tindler and um, the, the rest of the clubhouse has said multiple times now that it doesn't really matter where our pitching staff is at or, you know, if we need another starter like, um, you know, somebody going down like Adrian Morhan did. Uh, but instead, it strictly comes down to when Denelson Lamette is healthy enough to return um, but him throwing a 63-pitch sim game, uh, you know, saying – based on everything, it said that he looked very good, said that he looked extremely healthy, said that there was no tightness in that wrist. Um, I just feel like that's great. That's a great sign that if he if he doesn't return, uh, you know, by this first Dodgers um, series that will be at Petco this weekend, then possibly he can return uh, to the Dodgers series at Dodger Stadium, which will be the following weekend, Thursday through Sunday, a four-game series. Um, of course, uh, that'll that'll just, uh, like I said, be up to whether or not Nelson the Met is healthy enough to play, is ready enough to play. But by all signs, it is pointing to uh, him returning – uh, sooner rather than later. So that's great news for Padres fans. Um, but like I said, tonight, the Pirates again at 335. Tomorrow will be the Pirates at 335. And then Thursday will be the last game of that series um, at 935 in the morning. Early, early game. I know it's in Pittsburgh, so it's technically noon there, but still an early game. And then uh, that'll wrap up this uh, little seven-game road trip 
um, and uh, lead the Padres to come back home to Petco Friday through Sunday against the Dodgers. Uh, so very excited for the upcoming games, uh, as you should be as well. This, this Padres team is playing with a lot of confidence right now, a lot of momentum, uh, leading the uh, MLB, actually, um, in, ER, in total ERA uh, as a team um, to start the season uh, as um, the only – yeah, let me see. Batting – no. I believe – yeah, there we go. Um, the, the team right behind us uh, is uh, the San Francisco Giants. So I, I felt like that was kind of ironic um, as, um, you know, the San Francisco Giants series. I know we lost that 2-1, to one, um, but we just were not able to score a lot of runs. Left 14 people on base the game I went to. Uh, left a lot of other people on base. Couldn't really get anything going, but... As soon as we hit the Rangers, boom, the bats are popping. As soon as the first the first game of the Pirates series yesterday, I mean, the bats were there. The bats were definitely there. So, um, you know, the Giants are looking good this year. I, I can't discredit that. Uh, they're, you know, the Padres uh, ERA at the moment, 1.8. San Francisco is a 2.7 in second. Uh, and then that follows with the Yankees, Twins, and Indians. Uh, the Padres lead the lead in saves at the moment. Uh, they are second in strikeouts. Um, second and I mean actually tied for first and wins um, in terms of pitching so definitely a great start to the season so far for the Padres um, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to um, these uh, these upcoming seven I know there's a series between it I know it's you know we still got two more games against the Pirates and then it's the Dodgers and then we got three games against the Brewers and then it's the Dodgers again but you know, these seven games in the upcoming couple weeks are going to be very fun. Uh, a lot of trash talk will be talked uh, between, um, you know, this SD and LA rivalry, but um, I'm excited to see how it plays out. Um, but on to some other news. Friday night, like I said, Joe Musgrove throwing this remarkable no-hitter, first in Padres history. The storyline was amazing. Also saw... Um, a, uh, it was basically a record night as, you know, it was the first day in MLB and NBA history that there was a no-hitter on top of a 50-point game. Um, of, of course, Joe Mosgrove is the one who threw the no-hitter, um, as Zach Levine and Jason Tatum also had 50-point games. As Zach Levine had 50 for the Bulls, Jason Tatum had 53. Um, Zach Levine, what a first half. He had 39 at halftime. Um, I really thought this man was about to go for like 70, but the Bulls are the Bulls, and uh, they just you know didn't really didn't really play much uh, after that. There wasn't really any point, um, I guess uh, from from the coach. I don't know. It was pretty whack. If you want me to, if you want to ask me uh, honestly, I, I felt like that man could have kept going, but uh, they saw something different. So I thought that was still interesting, though. Um, you know, a history night uh, for you know the MLB and the NBA, uh, but Jason Tatum as well. 53 points, 16 for 25 from the field, 10 rebounds and 4 assists. Uh, just built different, man. This this man is definitely having a good year. I know the Celtics have been dealing with a lot of ups and downs so far, but, um, you know, Jason Tatum still balling out, still still putting them on the map. You know, you can't count the Celtics out with this young core. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of core pieces that, um, you know, have the potential to reach superstardom, um, and that's not even exaggerating, really. I mean, Jason Tatum is still, what, 22? 20, 20, 
I'm pretty sure he's 22 or 23. You know, there's some of these young guys in the lead right now, Zach Levine as well, uh, just just absolutely crushing it. D book, uh, you know, Jamal Murray, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, as uh, a lot of people heard, Jamal Murray actually uh, tore his ACL last night. Um, you know, it's unfortunate as the Nuggets were really balling as soon uh, ever since that Aaron Gordon acquisition. They had been a no. Um, and for Jamal Murray to go down last night in the final minute of a game where they weren't even close to winning the entire game and they're kind of making a comeback at the end. But, uh, you know, just just for it to be the way it was in, in a game that was, you know, they probably had a five percent chance of winning towards the end of the game. Uh, being down nine with a minute left, and for him to, you know, go down, and, and he just looked like he was in some serious pain, man. Uh, you never want to see that from a rising superstar, uh, a guy who, you know, literally carried this team, this Nuggets team with uh, the jo- with uh, Nikola Jokic and, uh, you know, the rest and company last year to two, three, three, one deficits, um you know, carried them to the Western Conference Finals, completely balled out, had bat-to-bats, uh, bat-to-bat, uh, you know, just uh, crazy games with Donovan Mitchell just going back and forth um, in that uh, in that quarterfinals and then coming back and beating this this Clippers team who, who everybody thought was going to beat the Lakers. Um, you know, nobody was talking about the Nuggets. So for them to come back and kind of silence everybody, um, and then this year, a slow start to the beginning of the season um, with a few players hurt. But, you know, as of recently, they, they definitely hit their stride, especially before the All-Star break. Uh, and then acquiring Aaron Gordon, what a, what an acquisition that was. I mean, like I said, it was 8-0, um, you know, leading up to last night's game um, against Steph Curry and the Warriors. Uh, and for him to go out like that, it was just really unfortunate. Um you know, it, it sucks for the Nuggets. I know that they were really looking forward to trying to run it back, trying to, uh, you know, get back to that Western Conference Finals, uh, especially with their new acquisition of Aaron Gordon and the way this team has been playing together. But, uh, you know, got to pray for a speedy recovery. Uh, pray that Jamal Murray can get back on the court as healthy as possible. Um, but, you know, the NBA is in a lot of scrutiny right now due to that. You know, a, a shortened off season. Um, to try to get the NBA back on schedule with what it had normally been. Um, but with the amount of injuries that have happened this year and, uh, you know, the ratings really being at an all-time low because of it, I, I just feel like the NBA will never try this again. Uh, you know, another criticism that has come out recently uh, from Luca and Mark Cuban and uh, just other players is uh, how – I don't want to say hypocritical, but how stupid the play-in tournament is. Um, if you guys don't know, uh, the play-in tournament this year will be um, right after the 72-game season concludes, um, as the 7 through 10 seeds will be playing in a play-in tournament uh, for those final two spots into the playoffs. Um, and, um, you know, for the season to be shortened, uh, for the season to have a shortened offseason, uh for the seasons to have 10 less games than it was, that's the point of, or that's what they're, um, they were falling back on as to why they were able to, you know, have a shortened off season. Well, you're going to have 10 less games. Uh, for there to be the play-in tournament, that's, okay, well, right there, that's two extra games that, um, well, actually, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's a, just a single elimination, I would assume. I don't think they're trying to make this play-in tournament a bit thing. Um, but I could be wrong about that, but 
I mean, a single elimination game. So the team that wins the playing tournament will have played two extra games, and then that leads them into, you know, the regular playoffs of the NBA, which is, uh, you know, three seven-game series to get to the NBA Finals, and then, boom, the NBA Finals, which is another seven-game series. 16 wins total to win an NBA Finals, uh, but, you know, not 16 total games, as, of course, there's going to be some losses thrown in there, so... Um, you know, the NBA is just under a lot of scrutiny right now. And just, just for good reason, in my opinion, you know, like, you know, I, I feel, I feel bad, but it's just, I think it's all coming back to the fact that this season was kind of a huge money grab. You know, I know that, uh, the bubble probably hurt their ratings a lot. Um, not only with no fans, um, but, uh, because of, like I said, the environment that it was set up in and being this, the first sport to come back. I mean, I loved the NBA bubble. Don't get me wrong, but I, I know for a fact that it, it definitely did hurt their ratings um, uh, just because of the way it was set up. Uh, and then this season with all the superstars that have gone down and, you know, some of these ESPN graphics, you know, Giannis versus Dennis Schroeder, like, you know how they always have the top players on every team. It's like, oh, this is the matchup of the night, and this is, like, primetime NBA basketball. And for, for some of these graphics to come out, you know, like Giannis versus Shooter and, um, you know, Steph Curry versus Andre Drummond, it's just like, okay, like, that's not the matchup that everybody wants. And, of course, that's going to lead to ratings dropping because if you're not a diehard NBA fan who truly cares about a team or truly cares about the sport and the, and the league, uh, you're just not going to be watching a game where – you know, the like the Lakers right now. You're, I, I still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm catching these games because I love my boys. But it's like, I could understand from a, you know, a fan's perspective that loves LeBron James, loves Anthony Davis. Uh, those two guys are out. Why am I going to be watching the games right now? You know, so I can understand that. Um, and I, I truly believe that the NBA is going to rebound from this. I mean, I think the NBA is one of the most woke. Um, leads out there. I feel like they truly listen to the fans. They truly listen to the players. Um, you know, maybe it takes some time, uh, just like every other league. Uh, but I feel like at the end of the day, they they truly try to give the fans what they want. Um, they they you know they they've switched up uh, things over the years to make it more entertaining. Whether that's with the All Star Draft, I feel like that was a super cool addition that has been continued for the past four years. Everybody seems to like that, um, but. You know, with the All-Star Draft, um, you know, doing the points the way they have been the past couple of years with Kobe and Gianna, um, you know, just trying their best continuously. I mean, like I said, they were the first sport that came back from this pandemic, and they set up perfectly. You know, I know every other sport, uh, it's kind of hard to have a bubble. You know, the NBA, you know, being only 15 guys on the team, uh, plus the coaching staff, of course, there's probably about 30 maybe 35 people you got to account for per team and for there to only be about uh you know like 18 uh to 20 team or i think it was what was it like 18 to 24 teams that were able to go to the bubble to start with i think only like eight teams sits to eight teams in the invite i can't remember what the exact number was but i know that there that was pretty easy to uh contain to keep in a bubble some of these other sports you know like the the nfl and there's 50 50 plus guys on a team and then you add the coaching staff you're probably counting for a hundred people uh alone for a team 
Uh, so it's a little hard to have a bubble and quarantine and in, in a place uh, that that will suit that. Um, but you know, the NBA will be able to rebound from it. You know, they're they're a very smart league, a smart association. But uh, this 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 uh, season has just kind of been a. I don't know. It's just been like a ticking time bomb, kind. You know, there's been good games here and there, but every once in a while, there's there's something like like this that happens, and it kind of reminds uh, the fans and the players um, about this shortened off season, about a lot of other things that uh, maybe weren't really fair to the to the players and. I, I have no doubt that the NBA Association, the NBA Players Association, will definitely uh, look at this, try to find some solutions as they go into net season. But, um, you know, I'm still glad that we're able to get some good games out of it. I know that it's not the best season, but, I mean, Ennis, Enos Cantor, this man, uh, you know, made headlines for various things over the years. I truly believe he's a great player. I think that... Um, in the right situation, that man can ball out. I believe that Portland is his home. I think that they should definitely re-sign him. Uh, but this man had 30 rebounds the other night, the most in Blazers history. Man was, you know, just absolutely dominating the Clippers on the boards. You know, he had the, it was, like I said, it was the most in Trailblazers history. 30, um, out of those 30, 12 of them were offensive rebounds, which is just ridiculous i mean people get 12 rebounds in a game let alone 12 offensive rebounds um and as he became the fourth player with 30 rebounds in a game in the last 20 seasons as of course dwight howard did that in 2018 andrew bynum did that in 2012 and kevin love in 2011 so you know like a great performance there uh, of course last night i know that uh jamal murray um and uh, his torn ACL definitely was uh, a killer to that Warriors and Nuggets game. But, I mean, Steph Curry had uh, had 19 points left to go uh, to pass Will Chamberlain as the all-time leader, uh, in, franchise leader in points. And he ended up scoring 21 in the first quarter to break this record. Um, you know, only Steph, really, only Steph. But... Uh, this man, like I said, did become the Warriors' all-time leading scorer with 17,784 career points. And, I mean, if you're on uh, the same level uh, or above than Wilt Chamberlain, uh, you're doing something right. So, shout-out to Steph. Um, you know, the he has now seven straight games with 30-plus points. Um, it's the first time in his career that he's done this. Uh, and, of course, last night, he got his ninth career 50-point game as he had 53 points um, and 10 made threes. Um, of course, this season, that's the 10th half with 25-plus points in a game. That's the most in the NBA. Um, you know, the most games with 10-plus made three-point field goals in NBA history. Um, you know, if you if you want to be like, well, Steph had 10 threes, it's, it's not whatever. This man, that's the 18th time that he's had 10-plus threes in a game. Second all-time in NBA history is Clay Thompson. How many times has he done that? Five. Five times. 18 times has Steph Curry done that. Who's in third, you ask? James Harden. How many times has James Harden done that? Three. Damian Lillard, three. J.R. Smith, three. Zach Levine, two. That's the entire list. That's the entire list in NBA history who has... People who have had games with 10-plus made threes. Steph Curry, 18. And then Klay Thompson, 5. James Harden, 3. 
Damian Lillard, three. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Come on. You cannot hate on what Steph Curry is still doing. I know that the Warriors are struggling this year for obvious reasons. They do not have fucking Clay Thompson. Steph Curry is, you know what I mean? He's lighting it up lately, like I just said. The past, the past seven games. 32, 36, 37, 41, 32, 38, 53. What else can he do? He can just score the ball. That's all he's able to do right now. Nobody's helping him out. Draymond Green has been injury prone as fuck. So what is he going to do? He's going to take it into his own hands. You just have to appreciate what Steph is giving to us right now. Um, you know, I'm not saying that we have to feel bad for Steph Curry because I understand LeBron for his entire career has been, you know, not, not associated with the best teammates. You know, I know as of recently, it's been good. Anthony Davis, uh, in recent years on the Cavs, he had Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, but you know, a couple finals, those guys were hurts. His first finals appearance. I mean, who the fuck was on that team when they lost to the Spurs? You know who was on those teams when he couldn't make it past the Celtics? You know what I mean? I know he left Cleveland, but what the hell do you expect? You know what I mean? You picked up four guys from the 24-hour fitness in Cleveland. You want to play with LeBron James and go to the NBA Finals? Yeah, LeBron is going to get pissed. He's going to fucking leave. Who else wouldn't? You're LeBron James. You're trying your best. You're literally doing everything that a team asks. And you, you just can't get it done because you have a bunch of fucking bums around you. So, of course, it sucks that Steph is putting up all these numbers, yet it's being underappreciated because of his teammates and because of the team right now. They're not the Warriors that we have come to know. But we can still appreciate what Steph is doing. We can still appreciate the fact that Steph has now 18 total games with 10-plus made three-pointers. That is just absurd. The greatest shooter of all time, the greatest, just, 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 I, I don't want to go that far, but I mean, he has to be in the conversation for the greatest point guard of all time too. If you're the greatest shooter of all time and you have the, half the handles of what Steph does, you'd still be in that conversation. But Steph doesn't just, you know, shoot the ball and that's it. He has his handles. He, the, his off ball movement is ridiculous. His, you know, his ability to screen men and really get the ball, get his teammates open as well, that's underappreciated. His, like I said, his ability to continuously move. He doesn't just stay still and pull up. doesn't just walk the ball down the court and pull up. I mean, he fights to get open every game. You don't think people know it's Steph Curry? You know what I mean? We're not playing high school where it's easy. Oh, this team is running the 2-3 zone. Let's just fucking give the ball to Steph. No. Every team in the NBA, everybody in the U.S., everybody across the world knows who the fuck Steph Curry is. So, of course, what do you think the game plan is going to be going into a game against the Warriors? Stop Steph Curry. But he still makes the shots. He, You know what I mean? You're going to have to accept that. But, like I said, you're going to have to appreciate the fact that he's still doing it. He's still going to do it, and you're going to have to continue to guard him. He's just that good. So, my point being, let's not, let's just stop comparing, you know, this Warriors team, Steph not having any help, to LeBron's, you know, half-assed teams and the Cavs. I mean, his first year with the Lakers, kind of, but not really. They still had good, they had solid young guys who are on the Pelicans now, um, but... 
you know, it's it just it is what it is. That's how the NBA works. That's just how it happens sometimes. But that doesn't mean uh, we cannot appreciate what Steph is still doing. It doesn't always have to be. Oh, well, let's not fucking feel bad for Steph, even though he's having some remarkable numbers. Even though he just became the Warriors' all-time franchise leader, it doesn't have to be like that. It can just simply be. Steph Curry is great. Look at what he's doing right now. It sucks that he's you know you know has a team that are full of not so great players at the moment, but he's still playing phenomenal. He's still playing lights out. So shout out, to, excuse me, shout out to Steph Curry. Um, it's crazy though. Is five years ago today this Warriors team finished the season seventy three and nine. Okay, you know what I mean, but. Who was watching that game? Who watched the Warriors beat the Grizzlies 120-103? to 103? April 13th, 2016. Who watched that game? I know I didn't because I was watching Kobe Bryant's five years ago today. Final game of his career. Dropped 60 points. I know it took him 50 shots to get there. 22 for 50 from the field. 60 points. I mean, he had the game winner as well. Came back from eight down with about a minute and a half left to go in the game. Ah, chills every time I watch this, man. Chills every freaking time. Mamba out. The, just the, the, the tenacity, you know, the ability to never, ever quit. Those jumpers late in the game, too, man. Those were contested. Julius Randle was just giving him, I mean, if you watch those final two minutes of that game, I've watched it about 30,000 times at this point. Every single time, give the ball to Kobe, Julius Randle come to the top of the key, Kobe do something. That's all it was, and they just couldn't stop him. They could not stop him. Remember that year? Kobe was basically sitting out every other game because of his knees. He was sore. I mean, this man was in his 20th season. But still, they could not stop him. There was nobody that was going to stop Kobe that night. And for it to go out like that, to have 50 with about a minute and a half and finish the game with 60, I mean, 10 points in that final in that final minute and a half, um, you know, just to carry this Lakers team who was down 96 to 88, like I said, carry them to a victory that night, um, you know. The, the iconic shot of him just smiling at his family, winking at Vanessa, hitting those final two free throws, getting a standing ovation with 4.1 seconds left as he got subbed off the floor for the last time. Um, you know, just a, just a, mm, it's just, it's unfortunate uh, that um, some people did not get to watch that live because what, what a game that was. I'll always remember, you know, just the feeling I had, just wanting to go outside and go shoot the basketball wanting to run through a brick wall after watching that you know it's just one of those things that you watch that just inspires you to just go do something you know go just just go after anything you want in life uh keep fighting keep pushing and that's exactly what Kobe Bryant gave to me that night and gave to me throughout his entire career so it was only right that he ended with the bang but for it to be five years man five years ago that's just crazy it's just before we know it some of these players now, LeBron, Steph, KD, that's going to be like dumb. We're going to be like, damn, five years ago we watched LeBron's last game. Damn, five years ago Steph Curry hit his last three-pointer. That's what I mean. Let's just appreciate 
these guys, this era of basketball, I know we can already kind of see this new era coming up. Um, you know, AD, we got Jamal Murray, we got Luka, we got Devin Booker, we got all these great guards, uh, you know, Giannis, Carl um, Anthony Towns, um, you know, just, just a bunch of guys that are on the come up, but let's appreciate this this generation that is still in there before this is how we're talking about it. Five years ago today, we saw Kobe's last game, you know what I mean? Let's just appreciate them as, as while they're here. Um, you know, cause I, I just know for a fact, we're all going to miss them, uh, when they're, when it's not their time anymore. Um, but on to some music news, uh, of course it was new music Friday as always, uh, that brought, uh, just, uh, you know, a little bit of heat. Polo G finally released his, uh, single rap star. Um, that, that was, it was still, it was a pretty, pretty good song. I don't know. Polo G. I loved the go. I loved that project so much, but his past three songs have been, I, I'd say, pretty mid for me. If you want me to be real, Rap Star was so hyped up, and it was still, it was still a decent track. It wasn't my favorite though, so I'm, I'm still very interested to see uh, what this Nets project will bring. Uh, if these songs will be on it, I really hope that the rest of the album <laughs> brings it. Um, but also, I think the biggest drop of this of uh this past weekend like i had mentioned in the previous podcast was brock hampton's uh roadrunner album um definitely lived up to the hype in my opinion i felt like everybody brought it i love the asap features i loved the storyline of following the light following god and my that's what i was getting from it um you know I loved how personal and deep and introspective each of the members got on here. I'm going to have to continue to listen to it to find some more meanings, to find some more deep, you know what I mean? Just to find those things that were spread throughout it um, because it was definitely a great project. And I, I highly, highly, highly suggest that you listen to it um, because it was great and every everybody brought it on here. Um, but that's it. That's all I got for today. I hope you enjoyed this uh, new installment of the Gina Spirito podcast. Uh, like I said, I hope you all had a great Tuesday and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much.